0: and uh, we're going to get started. Um, last week, we were talking about you are valued, and uh, I didn't get to point three, so this is point three expanded, okay? In fact, it's totally different from point three, but it's kind of the same. But, um, so last week, we looked at the fact that you are valued, and I, I really trust that people get this, Um, that we understand how much God values us. We need to really understand that because, do you know what? Everything that comes against us in life and in the world, the people that we meet again, we we meet loads and loads of places, loads of circumstances and situations will come into our lives that tell us that we're worthless, that will tell us that we're good for nothing and that we're useless. And, And sometimes even our own voices in our head tell us that. Right? So many people are telling us that. We need to understand that that's not God's assessment of us. That he values us. And that our value is not measured in success or failure, but in the span of a man's arms. We looked at the fact that you're more valuable than sparrows and sheep. And that God cares for his creation. So why not for you and I also? We all go through difficult times. Hands up here if you've never been through difficulties. Never faced trials and temptations. Wish we'd sung Amazing Grace today, Lindsay. It would have fitted so well. We all experience dark times in our lives. But even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we know that we can trust in him, that he walks with us, and that we need fear, no evil. And the point is not when we're in the valley, when we're in the dark place, when we're in the dark times, to try and light it up with our own light, our own understanding, but to trust in Jesus, who said of himself, I am the light of the world. And he comes to illuminate those circumstances, to bring light into them. And so we need to we need to trust in him. We thought about how we're loved and that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. He thought you were worth it. And it's nothing to do with L'Oreal. Okay? And so this week I've kind of expanded on point three, which is that you are found. If you are a Christian today, if you love Jesus, you can know 100% that you have been found. The Bible tells us that we're lost. In fact, Amazing Grace says, I once was lost, but now i found, was blind, but now I see. And for all we know, the truth of the gospel message, doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, doesn't matter how mature you are, there are some times in life where we just feel a little bit lost. We kind of wonder where God has went. Well, he's not went anywhere, because he's everywhere. So you can't go anywhere. He's not abandoned you. Sometimes we can feel abandoned though and it's in those times that we need to remember that he knows us. That scripture we read at the start, read Psalm 139. If you're not convinced about this, read Psalm 139. It's absolutely cracking. And it's God speaking to you. God telling you how much he knows you, loves you and values you. But before we go on, I'm going to show a little video. And I have used this video before, but who knows that at Christmas time we watch the same movies over and over and over and over. How many times have you seen The Guns of the Navarone? The Great Escape? Miracle on 34th Street? Right? We watch films time and time again, don't we? So I'm going to use a video which I've used before in church. And uh, it's by the Skit Guys, and it's all about baggage. It's all about the stuff in our lives that comes in to stop us from feeling valued, to stop us from feeling loved, to stop us from receiving the grace that God has for us. So we're going to watch the video. It's about 10 minutes. It's quite long, but I really think it's worth spending the time on this little video. So here we go.
1: You've
2: heard the saying, he's carrying a lot of baggage from his past or avoid her.
1: Baggage.
2: But think about it. I mean, baggage, it's, we get it from other people, the things that they do to us or say to us. And if we carry those memories around, in essence, we carry baggage. We begin collecting baggage when we we're just little kids.
1: There you are. Hey, 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 hi, hey. Hey, I need to talk to you. Yeah, what? Well, um we were talking about building the, the tree house. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I love tree houses. Yeah, it's just a thing. Um see you can't help us build the tree house. Why? Well, you don't really want me to tell you. Yeah, I do. Okay, well we were talking, uh-huh. um um the gang we were talking and, Yeah. um well you're too fat. What? You'll weigh down the treehouse. I'm not fat. Yes. No, no, yes. I'm not. No, no. Uh, mommy just says I'm big boned. Dinosaurs are big boned. You're fat. No,
2: no, no, no. Mommy says I'm chunky.
1: <laughs> Peanut butter is chunky. You're fat. No, no, no.
2: no. M- mommy says that I've lost weight.
1: I think you found it.
2: No, no, no.
1: Mommy says I'm just different. <laughs> Your mommy says you're just different? Yeah, I'm just different. Mm-hmm. Go back to where you came from. I gotta go. Bye.
2: Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's one of the biggest lies we teach children. Words hurt, they cut deep. And if we carry around the words of other people, essentially what we do is, we're collecting baggage. You see, we can't, we can't find our self-worth based on what other people think of us. We have to find our self-worth based on Christ and our relationship with Him. But it doesn't seem to be that easy. And as life goes on and we get older, we just tend to collect more baggage. Sometimes we pick up baggage from people who are very close to us, like a best friend.
1: No, I, I know. I know, Shelley, I know. It's like we talked for three hours and it seemed like five minutes. I know. I know. I know. It's like we have this amazing connection, this chemistry. Okay, I'm just going to say this, Shelley. I've never said this to anyone in a really long time, um, but... I, Shelly, I feel like you're, you're my density. I really, really do. No, you're, right. you're my, you're my destiny. That's what I meant. You're my destiny, right? I'm just so full. Hey, he's right here. I gotta go. Okay, bye.
2: Hey, buddy, what's up? How much? Who are you talking to? Um, um, talking to my mom. Your mom's your destiny.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she gave birth to me and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kudos.
2: Really? Yeah. Because it sounds like you said Shelly.
1: Yeah. Um, that's her. That's her name.
2: I thought your mom's name was Kelly. That's her middle name. Your mom's name's Kelly Shelley?
1: Yeah, yeah, and she was picked on a lot when she was a kid, so I just really tried to encourage her all the time and tell her that I love her. What's wrong with that? Okay, I mean, that's okay, a great thing well, whatever, do.
2: whatever. Did you talk to my Shelly?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, and? She's not... She's not gonna be your Shelly. Look, we just started talking and we just we just kind of hit it off. And it just happened. I mean, what? we had this great chemistry. It just uh... No, no, no. 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 You were supposed to call her for me. I did. I started out doing that. I did. You don't no. believe me. You're supposed to be my best friend. I, I am. Don't don't let a girl come between us, okay? That's I didn't be- You did this. Look, man, you know I've liked her since we were in kindergarten and you were supposed to talk to her for me. Yes, but but I've been your best friend since kindergarten and we've always said growing up best friends forever, right?
2: Yeah, well, you know what? Forever just got a lot shorter.
1: Don't do this. Don't do this. It's sure. You did this.
2: You're supposed to be my best friend. And our friends, they're just trying to get through life the same way we are. And sometimes they're going to make poor choices, and we can either learn to forgive them or pick up more baggage. You know the truth about baggage is we don't need other people to load it on us. We do a pretty good job of dumping baggage on ourselves when we compare ourselves to others. We think things like, ah, if I could be as popular as they are, if I could be as gifted and talented as they are, but I'm not. I'm a loser. I'm no good. And when we think that, we pick up more baggage. Or we find ourselves thinking, they have it made. And why is life so easy for them and so hard for me? I'm never going to make it. And when we buy into that lie, more baggage. And sometimes, sometimes we pick up baggage from people who love us dearly. You just don't realize that their words cut like a knife. Son. Hey, Dad.
1: What happened out there?
2: Uh, um, the ball slipped. The, the lights got in my eyes. It was...
1: The lights got in your eyes? Yeah. You know that's what cost us the game, don't you? Yeah. The ball slipped. How many times have I gotten up in the morning before 5 a.m. before I go to work to work on the stuff with you, huh? There were scouts out there. You realize that? Dad, the ball slipped. The ball slipped, It did. I mean, what What do you hey want Hey, Coach. Me? Huh? No. <laughs> Butterfingers. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to work with them. Uh-huh. All right. See you later. Are you crying? No. Well, don't. Pull it together. People are watching. I want you to grab your stuff. I'm gonna go to the car and I'll meet you there, all right? Dad, I'm just disappointed in you, all right? These were our dreams, right? Grab your stuff.
2: And our parents, they don't mean to hurt us. It's just, they've got their own baggage. And when you don't deal with baggage, you pass it on. And for us, we have to learn to find our self-worth only in our relationship with Christ. And if we don't, we pick up more baggage. It gets uncomfortable, tedious, and our natural tendency is to want to dump this baggage onto someone else, but
1: it always backfires. Hey, can I ask you a question? What are you doing in my room? I just need to ask you a question. What? Can can you give me and my friends a ride to school? It's cold and I don't want to ride my bike. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Are you really asking that? Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Just give me a ride and some of my friends to school.
2: You need to understand something. Just because you and your loser friends are in high school now doesn't mean I'm going to give you a ride, okay? Because look at me. You need to understand that when people look at you, they see a freak, all right? And if they know that I'm related to you, if they know we're brothers, they're going to think I'm a freak too, okay? And I'm not okay with that. So here's the deal. I don't care how you get there. I don't care if you have to walk or crawl or whatever, but I'm not going to be a chauffeur for you and your loser friends, okay?
1: It's not my fault that Dad left. Why do you keep taking out on me? Whatever. No, you know I'm right. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You're only sorry that I'm calling you out. I'll ride my bike. I said I was sorry. I'll ride my bike. Come on.
2: And in the process of trying to dump our baggage on someone else, inevitably what happens is we pick up more baggage. And then there's that one. My sin. My secret sin. It's, um, it's cool. I mean, uh, I've got it under control. Who am I kidding? Most of the time it has control of me. And this is the way I live. And yet, I hear the words of Christ who says, I've come that you may have life and may have it abundantly. I don't know about you, but this doesn't really feel like abundant life to me. I I I can't walk straight. I I can barely keep my balance. And then, and then I remember his words. Because Christ also said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest that's what I want that's what I want so I go to God God please if you're willing would you take this baggage from me because God I'm miserable and I can't live this way anymore please take it what it
0: takes. Let's just pause for a moment to pray. I'm pretty sure that each of us can identify with at least some of the things that we've seen in that video. Father, things that we are carrying around inside ourselves. And Father, other people might not be aware of it. And Father, you encourage us to come and to cast our cares upon you. You encourage us to come and just experience you, to experience that rest that you talk about in Matthew 11. Father, to experience life in all its fullness as you talk about in John 10. And Father, our heart's desire, if we were really honest, is that that's how we want to live. We want to live that way. And Father, we pray that you come and that you would help us, that you would just bring us to that place where we release all those things to you father where we stop holding on to things and father just give them to you father our heart's desire is that we walk with you and that we walk in peace father that peace which surpasses all understanding father even when we walk in uh, difficult places lord we, we, we pray that you'd help us to experience that peace Lord, we we really value that. And Lord, Lord, that's how we want to live our lives. So Father, help us, guide us into these things. Give us the courage to make the decisions that we need to make. Give us boldness to say the things which we need to say. Father, we pray that you'd help us to experience freedom. Father, your word says that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And Father, that's our heart's desire, is that each and every person in this uh, this church gathering today would be free. Father, in the churches across the town, and in, in this community, Father, people who are bound by all sorts of circumstances, situations, Father, bound by their own sin. And Father, we pray that you begin to release the captives. Father, that you begin to release those who are bound. Father, may it be for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You know, the danger for all of us is that we can drift in life. We can drift through life. Um, Whether you're a Christian or not, you can drift through life purposeless. Drifting along without meaning. Drifting along and and not really knowing where you're you're going. Um, But God didn't design us to drift along through life. God designed us to live with purpose. Um, Another danger for us as Christians, if you're a Christian in here today is of drifting away from God and we can allow the stuff of life to affect us in such a way that it becomes baggage in our lives. And at best, it can be a distraction. At worst, it can be destructive in our lives. It can rob us of the real us that God created us to be. And so Jesus says in Matthew 11, I'm going to read it out from the New Living Translation. Come to me, Encourages us to come to him with everything, with every situation, with all the circumstances and all the stuff, and to come to him and to cast our cares upon him, to take his yoke upon us. I don't know if you've ever seen um, oxen yoked together pulling a plough. I've never seen it practically, but I've seen it on the television. And if those two oxen are unequally yoked, if they're mismatched, One's going to be pulling harder than the other one. And so it creates tension, it creates stress. But what Jesus is saying is not to be yoked up to somebody else's vision or somebody else's idea of what being a Christian is like or somebody else's expectations about what you should be. What he says is to get yoked up with him and he will take us at the pace that he knows is right for us. You know, some people fly through life. Some people are just uber brilliant. And they never seem to have any issues or problems. And they just seem to be able to do everything, understand everything, know everything, be good at everything. And then there's other people who just kind of like, never seem to be getting it right. Well, I don't want to be yoked to the guy who's Mr. Superman. Because all I'll do is feel bad about myself. Because I'm not as good as that guy. But God's not asked me or you to be as good as the other person. He's actually asked us to be like Jesus. Well, there's a challenge. But he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle in heart. That's how Jesus teaches us. He teaches us from that place of humility and from that place of gentleness. And he promises that we will find rest for our souls. I don't know about you, but sometimes in life where I just need Rest. I just need to switch off for a little while and be in God's presence and not be worrying about stuff. And so he encourages us to come to him to experience his rest. The problem for us sometimes is that we're trying to achieve all of this in our own strength. We're trying to achieve what only God can do for us. And it's kind of like we hear this type of thinking from people all the time, you know, um, and, 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 and it can be a kind of real striving to get the balances right, to get the scales in the right place. You know, have I, have I done enough good things? Have I done enough good things for God to love me? Or I'm on the other side of the scale and it's all the bad stuff and I'm feeling weighed down with the bad stuff. And, you know, it's just like becoming obsessive in my life and I can't get away from it. But we need to realize that this isn't what it's about, right? This is a a worldly way of thinking, right? It's not God's way of thinking, because the bottom line is that none of us are able to achieve this on our own. It's all been achieved through Christ. Our salvation and worth can so easily become works-based, but when it is, when we're trying to be a good person, when we're trying to be a good Christian, when we're trying to be a good human being to our neighbor and doing it all and using our own resources and our own strength, what we find is that that resource and that strength dries up and we come to this place where we need rest. Jesus calls us to come to Him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says this. I'm going to flick it up. It's in the New Living Translation as well. That God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast. If our salvation was based upon how good we were, some of us would have gone, yay! And some of us would be gone, oh no! We're doomed! That's what it would be like. And the guys who are over here going, Yeah, I'm a really good person. I'm a righteous person. Would be going, You know, look at me. This is how you should live. I'm getting it right. You need to look at the way I'm living my life. Well, Paul said that. Jesus could definitely say that. But the problem is when we're on this side and we look at the people who are on this side, we think, Why are they not getting it right? Why has the penny not dropped? Why are they doing that? Why are they saying that? And the people who are on this side can feel condemned by the people who are on this side. The Bible tells us that we're all in the same boat. There isn't a this side and a this side. There aren't the the good and spiritual Christians and the not so good and unspiritual Christians. It says that we've been saved By His grace. It's not a reward for the good things that we've done. It's been achieved for us. And we can't achieve these things on our own. Now, let me just say that when the Holy Spirit comes in, He's the one who enables us to do the good works, to do the things that we're called to do, like the verse in that song that we sung this morning. Lindsay read it out during our worship time. I'm so glad you did, because it drew our attention to it. The things that we're trying to see and achieve are accomplished through Christ, a work within us. You know, there's a story um, written by a man called John Bunyan. Um, you may or may not be familiar with it. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress, if you're not familiar with it, get a copy of it. You can probably even get a free copy if you're willing to read Old English. right? But get a copy of The Pilgrim's Progress and read it because for me it's a wonderful metaphor of the Christian life. And in it, there's a, a man called Christian. And he picks up a Bible and he begins to realize that he's living in the city of destruction. He realizes that everything's... Going to collapse in on him. And he's trying to find answers as to where he should be going in life. And along comes a man called Evangelist. And Evangelist points him in the right direction. He says, Do you see that little gate up there in that hill? And he says, I can't see it. He says, Well, do you see the light? He says, I can see the light. Well, he says, Head towards that light and you'll come to a gate and you'll go through that gate and then you'll find that you're on the right way. You're on the way of salvation. On the way, though, he falls into a bog that's called Despond. He gets weighed down with his own sin and his burdens. And along comes his friend to help him out. But then he gets on his way again, and he comes across a man called Mr. Worldly Wise Man, who quizzes Christian about his burden and about where he's going and what his purpose in life is. And instead of listening to the words of evangelist, Christian listens to words of Mr. Worldly Wise Man who advises him to, do, to go to a village called Morality and to look out for the house of a man called Mr. Legality whose son is called Civility. Big names, eh? Funny names. And what he's painting is a picture of a place where we can go where Christianity it's all about works. It's all about doing good things. It's all about morality. It's all about the law. It's all about the legal system. And it's all about being civil and nice to our neighbor. Well, it's okay being nice to your neighbor until your neighbor's no nice back to you. And then there's a wee bit of a problem. And if we're in this position, what happens is our neighbor will get the rough end of the stick. If we so happen to fall out with them, different from what God calls us to do. This man called legality is a churchgoer. He does good things, but the problem is that when Christians on the way to this village, he has to pass by a hill. And as he's passing by the hill, instead of feeling better, his burden gets heavier. This burden of sin, which is on his back, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And he thinks that he's going to die because the mountain's going to fall on him. And in the story, you read that the mountain is called Sinai. Sinai, as you know, is the place where Moses was given the Ten Commandments. The place where Moses was given the law. And the law can only ever point out sin in us. And now Christian feels worse than he ever did before. And eventually, along comes the evangelist again, who gives him a bit of a hard time and says, Why did you wander off the path? Head back up and get through that gate. The Bible tells us that the law is powerless. This is what Romans 8 3, 4 says. We need to understand that Jesus has accomplished this for us. We don't do this in our own strength. It's not about going to the town called morality and living a good life and being nice to the people who are nice to us and the people who are not nice to us where we're justified in being not nice back to them. That's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches us to love our enemies, to pray for them and to bless them. But we need to understand that Jesus has paid the price for our sin. He's not forgiven Sin. There's a thing. Jesus hasn't forgiven your sin or my sin. Jesus has forgiven you and me when we accept it. The Bible tells us that Jesus has paid the price for our sin, that the requirements of the law have been met in Jesus so that we don't need to be condemned any longer. And just kind of looking at the time and where I'm going in my notes. I'm going to flick up a little slide. Um, maybe just to kind of help us to get something here. You see, we read in Ephesians 2 that it's all about grace. And we kind of sometimes wonder what grace is, but perhaps this will help us to understand that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches, eternal life. Life in all its fullness. We keep talking about it from John 10. "I've come that you might have life in all its fullness? God's riches at Christ's expense. We're redeemed. We've been bought back at a price. The law's demands have been met in the person of Jesus. And let me say as well, that it's not Satan's demands that have been met. Satan is not God's equal and opposite. The Bible tells us that Satan is a created being. He's not God's nemesis, right? He's not his opposite. And his power is limited. So it's all about God's grace at work in us. It's not about the good Christian camp and the not-so-good Christian camp. It's not about those who speak in tongues and those who don't speak in tongues. Because right? the Bible tells us that we can, but not everybody does. And we get hung up about these things. It's not about the person who gives ten percent and the person who can only give five percent of their income. Or the person who gives ninety per cent and keeps ten for themselves. People do. It's not about all these incredibly good works. And the Bible tells us that all the things that we can do are just like filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they're nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away. However, and we're coming to the crux here, When we are in Christ, we are clothed in His righteousness. This is incredible. I love this. What does it say? What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 9, sorry, verse 30, it says this in the New Living Translation. Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. In other words, God's righteousness came to them, and it was by faith that this took place. It's all about being found in Him. And we need to recognize this, that when we're in Christ, when God looks at us, what He sees is Jesus. I'm going to illustrate this. And I've already got my friend primed to write his name on that piece of paper that I gave him, and to bring it up here. Right? So... On you go. Write your name on that piece of paper and bring it up. I'm going to try and illustrate what this means to be in Christ because it's so, so important. Well done. Thank you, Alan. Alan Gray. And he even gave me my pen back. <laughs> so, Alan Gray decides that he's going to follow Jesus. Right? He comes to this place where he decides, I believe in Jesus. I believe in all that he is and all that he stands for. And at that point in time, he is found in Christ. Not having a righteousness of his own, so that he could boast about it, but that which is through faith in Christ. And Alan places himself into God's care. The Bible tells us that at that moment he is in Christ, that he is safe. The Bible tells us that our life is hidden with Christ in God. It's in a safe place. This life, this abundant life, is in a safe place. It tells us in the Bible that Jesus is seated at God's right hand. Where is our life then? In heaven, at God's right hand. Bible tells us that Jesus is the Word of God. The Word became flesh, right? Alan's life is now in Christ, now in this wonderful person called Jesus, who not only knows everything about him, the good, the bad, the ugly, but it's mostly good because he's a nice guy and he's got a great smile. But he knows everything about each and every one of us. And rather than Us reading this, he reads us and he can tell us about ourselves. But he can equip us and strengthen us through his spirit to live the way that he wants us to. And so it stops becoming all about the things that we can do to earn salvation. It becomes about this step of faith. Somebody else is in here. It all becomes about this step of faith when somebody hears about Jesus, about His love for them, and decides to put their life in His hands, to put their trust in Him. And at that moment, they are in Christ. At that moment, we begin to experience the freedom that we so desire. At that moment, if we are prepared to Allow Jesus to come and do it. At that moment, all our baggage can be dealt with. We can experience new life. What does the Bible say? That anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. As it said in CSI, your DNA does not dictate your destiny right? All the stuff that's happened to us in our lives in the past, the things which have been said over us, the things which have been done to us, the things which are unjust, the things which we think define us, all of those things have been dealt with because anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old nature, the old sinful nature has gone, and this new nature, this life from God has come that enables us to live the way that he wants us to do, And we don't boast about it because it's all about what he's doing in us and through us. It's not about me being able to say to Steve Giorgio, I'm better than you because of X, Y and Z. Or him saying to me that I'm better than you because of A, B and C. I don't compare myself to Steve. I don't compare myself to Tim. I don't compare myself to anybody except Jesus himself. And then I realize how much I've got to go. (laughs) Because it's about Him. It's all about Him. It's all about His grace, which He has poured out upon us. And in the times when we feel lost, the times when we've kind of wandered away, we can come back to Him. I've got one last illustration to close off with. You see... The Bible encourages us to remain in him, doesn't it? Remain in him. Remain in Christ. I've got an illustration. And for those of you who believe in luck, well, tough. I don't. Okay? And it's a bit like this. You know, when Jesus comes and sets us free, we really are free. We're free indeed. And when stuff in life happens, then we can face that through the things that he does. And I kind of liken it a bit like, it's a bit like being under an umbrella. And can I put my umbrella up? Okay. If it was raining in here, I'd be dry and you'd be wet. Fortunately, it's not. Okay. And being in Christ is a bit like being under the umbrella of His grace. Okay. It's like being under this protective covering that He gives us. Right? The moment we step out of the umbrella, what happens? We get wet. Right? And we do things that are wrong. We mess up and we get wet and we go, oh, that was a stupid thing to do. Back in underneath the umbrella. Right? We mess up time and time again. But our forgiveness is found in him. If we go, I'm not going to ask for God's forgiveness. I'm just going to stay out here and get wet. Right? Right? If you think I'm coming back to you, well, forget it. And he says, well, you're just going to get wet then. If you want to choose your own path and come out from under my protection, well, that's up to you. But then he knows there'll come a time where he'll go, it's getting quite cold out here. I'm soaking wet. I need to come back underneath God's protection. And for me, that's what it's like. Time and time again, When I try to do things in my own strength, I come out from under his protection. I come out from under his grace. I try to work it out. And I realize that two and two is equal five all the time. And it's only when I get back underneath that umbrella of protection into his grace that I realize, actually, two and two makes four because that's his rules, not mine. God has come to give us life and life in all its fullness. Our job is to stay close to him, to stick to him like glue, to find out what his plans and purposes are for us, to get to know him, the word become flesh. We do that by studying this wonderful book, by allowing it to study us. One of the most incredible pictures in the pilgrim's progress is when he comes to the cross, in fact I think I probably have a picture, and his burden falls off. Not through anybody's wisdom, but simply by coming to Jesus in faith. By coming to that place of acknowledging that there's nothing he can do about it. It's all about him. It's all about his grace. And that burden falls off his back. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. I don't know if everybody's a Christian in here today, but if... You've never made that decision. If you've never come to that point, that place of coming to Jesus, that place of surrender and say, I can't do this on my own strength anymore. I just come to you and surrender to you. I come to that place of kneeling down and recognizing that what Jesus did on the cross was for me. And then he comes in to us and he takes us into him. Just like the name in the book. And he keeps us safe. Our life is hidden with Christ and God. That's what he promises for each of us. I wonder if the band can back up. Um, We're just going to close our eyes and pray. We're almost finished today. And Father, we ask that you would come and that you would just reveal these things into our hearts and into our spirits. Father, that you would continue to speak long after this service is finished. Father, that you would uh, just come and presence yourself in our lives. Fathers, we've prayed for so many things today, Lord. We give ourselves to you today. And we just come to the foot of the cross once again. And we ask that you would come and that you would give us that rest which we need. Father, help us to cast our cares upon you, knowing that you're a God who cares for us. Knowing that you're a God who loves us. Knowing that you're a God who wants the very best for us. Father, help us not to use your grace as a license to do the things that we shouldn't be doing. And Father, to recognize that you want to do these works in us. You want to do and achieve and produce these good works within us. And so, Father, we just pray today that if there are those who don't know you, that they would just make that decision to follow you. Just while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, then now's your opportunity. Just put your hand up and let me know and we'll pray for you. I'm not going to prolong it. If not, we'll move on. Just in in this moment, put it still. If you've never taken that step to trust Jesus, then I pray you would just put your hand up just now and indicate that that's what you want to do. Father, we give ourselves to you in praise and worship in this service. Father, when we go out of here, we want to give ourselves to you in the workplace, in the classroom, in the home, in our street, and amongst our neighbors, wherever we find ourselves. Father, we pray that you would come by your spirit and that you would fill us And that you give us the strength to be your disciples. Father, give us the strength to live the way that you want us to live. And Father, help us not to to wrestle against the things that you want to do in our lives. But Father, to just give ourselves to you. And Father, just to experience your presence as we go into this week. Lord, for those who still need to cast their cares on you, Father, we pray that they would find uh, a way to do that this week, even today. And Father, help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we ask.